Hello and welcome to Holy Days. I'm Pastor Sean with Apostle Freddie, and today we are doing the 35th Parsha in the book of Numbers. This is uh, Nassau, and it means to lift up. Lift up. All right, and we hope the day exactly what we do. We lift you up. Amen. Amen. So, Pastor right. Sean, how we, where will we start today? We start in uh, chapter 4, verse 21 through 23. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Lift up the head of the sons of Gershon, also by the house of their fathers and by their families, from thirty years old upward until fifty years old. Thou shalt number them all that enter in to wait upon the service, to do the service in front of the meeting. So, uh, remember we talked about in the earlier parsha the age which they were called to ministry, mm-hmm. and that's what this is covering, uh, and also the sons of Gershon. Now they were a tribe of Levi, uh, and so, they were so they were of the priests. Mm-hmm. But they weren't the ones, uh, they weren't sons of Aaron. Okay. So they had a certain calling. And the Gershonite tribe uh, got selected by God to carry basically all the fabric, tent poles, and the curtain itself that went in between, you know, the ark and the. I still think that's very fascinating when you start reading that only certain people carried certain things, Mm -hmm. and certain tribes did this, and certain tribes did that. And, uh, I, I just always wondered what, you know, it seemed like a a boring, mundane <laughs> task that all you did was carry the poles. But that's that's how they did it in that time. Yes. And it's uh, to, to me, it's fascinating because God calls out certain tribes among the Levites specifically for this. Mm-hmm. So he's calling them out to carry that. And then uh, all the equipment related to its use. And Aaron and his sons were responsible for choosing them. Uh, what they did that day. Okay. So you of this family are responsible for carrying this today. So they didn't always do the same thing. It was whatever they chose. Hmm. So it's, it's, that's kind of interesting. So they had to make a daily decision on that stuff. And uh, the Marite clan carried frames, crossbars, and posts. Hmm. And uh, these guys did this all their lives. Yeah. So it was their ministry. Was this an honor to I be called to carry something like that? Well, you got to think about it. The, the God of Israel just wiped out all the uh, Egyptians, the army and all of that. You just saw the sea split, and you've seen all these things happen. They've seen what happened to Aaron's uh, two sons that disobeyed. So in that moment, I imagine that it was an incredible honor and also fearful at the same time. I'm sure. Well, yeah, sure. I would think so. You know, when God assigns you to a certain post, you may not understand it, but if it's all he's asking you to do is cut the grass for the church, then it's all that you have to do. Mm. And I'm I'm pointing that out for a reason. You will be blessed for it. Mm. So we're going to go somewhere here because I thought this is interesting. I've heard it taught before. You know, a, a teacher is under greater judgment. A pastor or preacher are too. The higher you go, the greater the judgment. Hmm. It's just the way it is. This way it is on anybody you teach and you teach something wrong, then you're under greater judgment for it. Hmm. And it's it's the way it is. But we all miss it sometimes, knowing that does not make it, you know, it makes me, it makes me research more and try to make sure yeah. I get this right in anything that I do in that. But, you know, we have to look at this. Who gets credit for the souls that get saved in the church? Yeah. The Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Who, 
you know, is it just the pastor? Is it just the, the leadership? Is it just the person who greets them at the door? Or does it, is it the grass cutter? Yeah. Is it the, the guy who uh, uh, walks around and cleans things that nobody sees? Mm-hmm. Is it people behind the scenes? Everyone gets credit well, for that. And the New Testament teaches that some plant, some water. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, watering can be a long process. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have my garden that uh, I'm greenhouse garden. I have to water every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh and, you know, we find Christians that have to be watered every day. Mm-hmm. And that's why we teach, you know, every day, have a Bible reading, have a Bible study, have prayer time, so that each day when you're doing those, you can be watering yourself. But for the kingdom, you know, it's just as important for someone out on the street or out at Walmart or out at Lowe's. I like Lowe's, you know, that's my favorite place. But to water those along the way. You know, you're you're sowing seeds and you're watering. And someday, somebody's going to reap the harvest, but it's not who reaps it. It's who gets the reward, and Christ gets the reward. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's important. And the blessing that comes from that, you know, I want to point that out, because we're building up treasures in heaven. Mm-hmm. Each person who waters, each person that leads up to that, y- you get credit for that, and that's mm-hmm. part of your treasure in heaven. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to point that out, because sometimes people... You know, you don't think, well, what am I doing? It doesn't really matter. It's like, no, it it's very much matters. Yes, every, it does. Every position, everything that you do, even the smallest thing, it matters in the yeah. kingdom. It all Well, does. you know, one of the things, uh, prayer. Uh, we can pray for someone uh, for a long period of time, and sometimes we don't feel like we see the fruit. And uh, even as a pastor, I've known people, you, they prayed for a loved one, a child, or husband, or or something, and then they pass on, not seeing the reward. But it tells us that in, in Hebrews chapter 11, there was many had great faith, didn't see the reward. And even today, sometimes we don't see the reward, but we should never give up because I've actually seen the reward of some of those that have prayed for loved ones and then pass on. They see that loved one give their heart to the Lord, change to come to know Jesus. So uh, everything that we're called to do, every opportunity we have, it is a blessing. Uh, and, you know, so we, don't, we can't give up on doing those little things that, that we talked about. So carrying the pose may have been a little thing, but it was very important mm-hmm. because... You get there, you get ready to set up the tent. If you don't have the poles, then you're not going to set up no tabernacle, no tent. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and uh, and it could be uh, an honor to be able to carry the poles. Oh yeah, yeah. Because the service can't go on. Right. That's that's important. Um, all those who, uh, all the thoughts of fear, uh, you know, hate, anxiety, depression, oppression, they aren't of the will of God. Uh, Cast off all worry. Put your life in the loving hands of the Father. Uh, Dare to celebrate the goodness of God. Uh, In the midst of your greatest trials, let people think you're nuts. It's fun. You know, go ahead and celebrate. It's uh, you're not meant to spend another minute living with the lies that the devil has whispered. Hmm. Bury the past. Forgive and let go. You got treasure in heaven waiting on you. Hmm. So no matter what you've been through, remember that. Because you're like, well, I've done these things, I've done those things, I haven't got to see this. Hmm. 
Forget all the lies of the devil. Mm -hmm. You have built up treasure in heaven. Mm. It, it's very important to focus on the good things, yeah. you know. In chapter 5, verses 6 through 10, it talks about doing wrong to a fellow Israelite. You must confess your sin and make full restitution plus 20%. Remember we covered that before? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, if the person is dead, the payment belongs to the priest uh, plus the interest in uh, either case. So they are to bring a ram to the priest for the sacrifice. And that little, you know, that just, we, we read that and go over it. That's not cheap. Right. So that's interesting on top of that. If the person passed on and you didn't make it right, then, well, you're bringing a ram for the sacrifice, and that's even more expensive. Mm. So it's, it's interesting. Uh, you should never steal. Jesus paid the price for uh, the condemnation of the law, but commanded us to be better than the law, uh, having it written upon our hearts at Pentecost. Mm. So Romans 2.13, uh, For it is not those who hear the law that are righteous before God, but those that do the law. In uh, I wrote this down in a different translation. That's why I'm having trouble saying. It. Okay, uh, be you doers of the law and not hearers only. Right. You know that's that's your new King James way. Yeah. But um, it's you know it's it's so important to not just look at the Bible at face value. Well, I'm obeying and I'm just doing it. No, you know, go to the deeper measure. What was Jesus saying about it? So. Uh, we've covered this so many times. And I've talked about doing wrong to a brother, not apologizing, not making it right, making excuses, why it's okay. We've got to get away from all of that. Uh, <clears throat> we're coming to the, you know, the close of this age. And the closer we get, the more righteous that we'll become. It's necessary. Or we should become. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the further we go and closer we go to him, the more separate our lives are living. So we're called to be uh, separated from the things of this world. Now, you can't leave the world, yeah. but it's that separated life, the Kadosh living that I've, we've talked about so many times. And, you, you know, when it comes to forgiveness and making things right, if you wait too long and the person's gone, that's a terrible thing. Mm -hmm. And it's make it right while they're still here. No matter what the circumstances, at least give the opportunity to let them know, hey, I'm sorry about that. I know I messed up. And it, it brings healing in the body of Christ. There shouldn't be these things in the body of Christ where we say, well, we're just not going to forgive. Mm -hmm. Oh, they did this, and they did that, and this happened, and mm -hmm. they didn't listen. Mm -hmm. All lies of the devil. That's what I'm pointing out here. So, you know, if you're just carrying the poles... If you're just cutting grass, if you're just doing things. I knew a guy who cut grass back at the old church I used to attend. Mm. Oh, I couldn't stand that guy. Mm. Rudest guy I ever met in my life. <laughs> but I had to let that go. I almost, well, let's just say we almost had an altercation at one point. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was going on. Yeah. And, you know, things like that, you got to let it go. So now we're going to get to the part where I almost didn't cover this at all and skipped over it, but I was like, no, it's, it's something that uh, people always ask about. So anybody who knows the Old Testament, we're going to talk about the trial of bitter waters. Okay. So we're going to go on to that. To, it uh, has to do with an unfaithful woman and what the way the priest did to handle that situation 
and a jealous husband. So we're going to get into that. Um, in this case, the Sota, the unfaithful wife, loses her image of God and, and is humiliated in front of everyone. So normally, you know, sins are dealt with in a more uh, dignified manner. You know, it's not really like that. Hey, you bring up this offering and we'll take care of this and things, but not in this case. Dealing with someone who is unfaithful is a terrible thing. Even, uh, you know, God gives a chance for redemption, but it's... It's very particular here. So we're going to go over that. So in verses 11 through 13, if a woman is, uh, has sex with another man but was not caught in the act, very important here, but her husband suspects that she's done this thing. In verse 14 uh, and 15, he must bring her to the priest and an offering of two quarts of barley. Now, uh, it is to be presented on her behalf. I want to point that out because he can't come up and sneak up and just bring her up there and say oh no we're not going up there for that reason no he has to carry these Mm -hmm. two things and everybody sees him on the way to the temple and just just pointing that out it is not to be mixed with frankincense because it is a jealous offering so no sweet smelling aroma no hey we're just bringing it up here to you know give a sacrifice to the priest or no everybody knows what you're doing Mm. Don't miss that. God knew some husbands would get angry and try to accuse their wives of sexual immorality with another man, so they literally had to bring a jealous offering, not mixing it so you can't hide what you're doing. A lot of people just skip over that and don't even notice that. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm just pointing that out. The second thing to remember is not to give cause to someone to be suspicious of you. Now... Many times in a lot of relationships of friends and uh, people I know, their wives or their girlfriends, they thought they were cheating. They had given them needless calls. Needless calls. Don't do that. Don't <laughs> be alone with friends. It's just a friend, mm-hmm. you know. <clears throat> yeah. uh, needless calls has led to many relationships. I know personally they never cheated but kept giving the calls of needless suspicion this is not healthy, nor is it holy. And many of those relationships busted up over the tiniest things just because they gave place. Don't give place to the devil. Um, men, you should likewise respect your wives when they tell you not to hang out with a woman alone. And this, mm. Usually a woman will know. A woman will spot it right off. Right. Uh, this to me is common sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, but do I have to explain it from time to time? Yes. It is surprising how many times I've had to sit down and explain this. Because I'm like, don't give calls. Uh, There's a lot of women today, especially, that just think that this is okay. Well, he's just a friend. No. No. Yeah. No. So, (laughs) but it's it's so much better to just be separated. Have that kadosh living. Have that holiness about you and not give calls. But if... we, we're not to give foothold to the devil in anything mm-hmm. like that, because uh, the, if you give an opportunity for something, then that will happen, and uh, it's so we we shouldn't give any place to the devil, any thought, or so that he could have something to accuse us. Of. Uh, so, and that's kind of what we're getting at here. Mm-hmm. And if the woman accused of cheating protest her innocence, 
and they both consent to the ceremony of bitter waters, the local court will listen if there are no witnesses. So uh, I want to explain this. On, on the way, if she says, I did it, I'm guilty, they give her a writ of divorce, and she goes her way. Um, if not, this trial has to commence. And the priest will warn her along the way. The priest will warn her when she gets there. The priest will warn her right before it goes on. There's all these opportunities to confess, and God brings a mercy. So I just want to point that out, too. But uh, the local court will listen. If there are no witnesses, they'll send two judges to escort them to the Sanhedrin. So along the way, like I was saying, if she admits her guilt, they were given uh, a get which is a writ of divorce, and she will not have to go through this trial. If she continues to protest her innocence, the priest will administer the oath, which is in chapter uh, 5, uh, 19 through 21. The whole passage is written uh, on a parchment, and then the priest removes her head covering. Don't miss that. So uh, let's talk about it. We still see this in Muslims today, but it was that in public, she was never to reveal her hair. Uh, according to uh, Roshi, uh, Rashi, I'm sorry, he was a rabbi, uh, early century, that he was doing uh, all these studies on it. But he, was, he wrote that uh, it was her glory, meaning this was for her husband alone mm. to see her hair, you know, because that's what's attractive, what brings out the face, it's the, the glory. Uh, not to attract any man, uh, only for, um, uh, it's only for when she is married. So they're supposed to cover their hair, and that's what this was about. It was considered a disgrace for Israeli daughters to have their hair uncovered. Many sages even go on to talk about the blessings that come from a wife uh, of the caliber that doesn't go around showing off. So there's all these sages and uh, people in history that have written about this. Now, I'm just bringing, I'm not telling you not to go covering your hair every day, <laughs> but I'm just pointing out this is the way they saw things. This <laughs> is the way they behaved. Um, so she had to uncover her hair in front of all the priests and everyone there. The priest prepares an earthen vessel. He gets dust from the temple floor. <laughs> And it does, uh, they put it into the earthen vessel, they pour some water in, and they pour the ink in with the parchments. He tears it up, throws it in, and it has the name of God written on it too. So that this all goes into the mixture. It dissolves into the mixture. The woman then drinks the mixture to prove her innocence. If she is innocent, she will be unharmed. Her womb will be blessed. She would have many more children. And... If innocent, the blessing will continue to her offspring. God even blesses the offspring in a case like this. So you got wrongfully accused. You were innocent. He's going to bless you and your children. And it's even written about uh, many of the scribes and uh, sages that would say they would uh, have more children and be blessed. And mm. all these things, it's all uh, passed down. So they, they talked about this. But now if not innocent... This is where things get interesting, and this is why people always ask about this. Her stomach would become bloated, her thigh and, uh, would rot, and the womb would shrivel, and she would die. Hmm. It's a very serious matter. So very few times do any rabbis say this was ever carried out. Uh, I've had questions about that. Most confessed along the way to avoid death. Hmm. So they've heard of it. 
there were times that it happened. No woman wanted to test, you know, test that anymore. Unless they were truly innocent. Yes. So the purpose was to prove innocent or guilt, to do away with jealousy. And don't miss that. This whole thing was to do away with jealousy. Um, how many times have acts of violence happened over a, a jealous husband or something of that nature? How many times over mere suspicion sometimes mm-hmm. without any proof? So this is why I'm saying don't give cause for suspicion. If you're married, it's just not the way to go about it. And if you're not married and you're having second thoughts, then maybe you need to sit down and talk about it. I'm just, I'm just saying, for your own sake, for the relationship causes, these things sometimes cause acts of violence. And God's not a fan of uh, jealousy. You know, we don't, we don't want to create that jealousy. Remember what even God says, uh, they've provoked me to jealousy. Mm-hmm. So even we as people, you know, if, if you're going around uh, worshiping, or I just went to this other service for this other religion or worship, and you're provoking God to jealousy. Mm. So don't just look at this as uh, a relationship for people on earth thing. It's also the kind of thing that you have to look at between you and God. So it's uh, if you're having idols in your life, you know, God makes a way out, makes a way for, for repentance. What's important? Confession. Now, God's not going to get rid of divorce and hand it to you to say, I'm done with you. But I'm, I'm pointing this out because um, we need to draw, have that draw close to God, to be that honesty to God and say, yes, I've struggled with this. Yes, I struggle with that. You know, it's all these cases of that. And we just pretend like, oh, well, he'll forgive me. Hmm. And we don't even, don't even mention it. We don't confess it. We don't deal with it. There are many cases of that. You yeah. Know? You know, idols, you mentioned idols and stuff. And, and an idol is anything that we worship in place of God. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I think one thing we mainly forget, uh, we are created to worship. Mm-hmm. That's what we're created. We're created to worship. And John... In chapter 8, he says, uh, we're looking for true worshipers. Well, true worshipers, he's looking for those that are worshiping the Lord and not things they've replaced. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, an idol is made of clay, made of wood. Uh, An idol can't love, can't hate, can't judge. But uh, we worship these things when mm-hmm. we put them instead in place of the Lord. But when we worship the Lord, then we feel the love. Then we feel justice and justified. So um, we can't put idols before him. And uh, we want, because, you know, people, people th- I hear people all the time, well, I'm, not, I'm just not a worshiper. Yes, you are. <laughs> you were created to worship. And you're going to worship something. You're going to create the Lord your God, the, or you're going to create things that you've replaced him with. Your time, the sun, the outdoors, the lake, uh, your grandchildren, uh, you know, and that can be a very tempting thing. <laughs> but we can put things before the Lord. And we have to learn perspective, uh, worshiping the Lord, putting him first, and not putting any kind of idol, uh, good or bad, uh, in that place. You know, you mentioned that on worship. Um, one of the things that I, I will tell young people is, uh, young men, 
if you're not able to worship, you know, why is that? And then I like to get into details on it. But one of the things I always tell them is it's one of the most manly things you can do because you're not doing it because you think, well, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm tough and all that. And I'm like, no, it takes strength to overcome all of that mm-hmm. and worship anyway. It's that strength and perseverance and going deeper in those kind of things. The things that are uncomfortable, pushing past all of these things, learning to get into that worship, learning to be close to the Father. It's the most manly thing you can do, and that's, that's what I tell them, mm-hmm. because it's, uh, why would you be separated from God? That's mm-hmm. not manly. Right. That doesn't take courage. That doesn't take strength. Mm-hmm. That's just being like everyone that's else. That's following the pattern of the world. Yes, mm-hmm. and it's not that devotion unto God. Mm-hmm. Devotion unto God takes strength and courage. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy path for everyone. It's, it's the path that we choose. But, you know, have that courage mm-hmm. to, to stretch out and, and to worship because it brings blessing. It makes your life lighter. I love to use that word because I don't feel like I have as much of a burden. And it draws you close to God. He reveals things in worship. And he lets you see things, but yeah, excellent, excellent point. Uh, um, uh, Rabbi Isaac points out that a woman caught in adultery and brought before Jesus was alone uh, other than the crowd. Uh, I'm sorry, well, we off topic there. So fast forward to Jesus's day. Okay. Now they brought the woman uh, to him. Mm-hmm. Some say Mary Magdalene, some say it wasn't, and there's a whole big argument. I ain't getting all that. But they brought this woman, said this woman was caught in the very act. Okay, so go back to what we were talking about earlier. I said, when a man has suspicion that a woman has done something, he's to bring her, he himself is to come along, bring her and have two judges escort them. Immediately we see this is being rushed. Yeah. So they... The priest is bringing her and drop her before him. And she was caught in the very act. What do you say we should do? Hmm. They're trying to catch him and something. Right. And the Bible mentions that. And so we're going to go into that a little bit. Um, so in Deuteronomy 22, 22, if a man is found lying down with a woman who uh, is a wife of another man, both of them are to die together in this way to purge evil from Israel. Mm-hmm. So where's the man? Oh, he's not even mentioned. Yeah. Is he there? Yeah. Okay. Where's the husband? Not mentioned. Yeah. Caught in the very act. What's going on here? We're already disobeying. Okay. And we're already rushing it. So it's kind of like, we need a gotcha moment. And, you know, you can relate to some of that, some of the things we've seen in today's time. But they've, they've done this because they want... Jesus to give consent for her to be stoned. Mm. So he would have consented to capital punishment, acted like a king, and subverting Caesar's authority and the Romans. <clears throat> and also, it would defile what Christ come to do. Mm-hmm. You know, his compassion to forgiveness of, for, of our sins. So, uh, you know, it was, if they could have tricked him up in this this point and yes that the law says that and go ahead and stone her mm-hmm. um, you know he wasn't saying she was not guiltless but you know of course he turned the table you without sin mm-hmm. you know uh, so you know he was pointing out that they all had sinned 
And so he, but he left room. And of course, he went on to say, uh, where are your accusers? I, I do not accuse you. Go mm -hmm. and sin no more. Exactly. So, uh, you know, that was the purpose of Christ. And that's the purpose of Christ in our life today, that we have an advocate before the Father, one that uh, we can turn to that forgives us of our sin. Doesn't give us a license or a freedom to go sin and, and run to him. Oh, he's going to forgive me. Perhaps he will, perhaps he won't, you know, because it says that uh, we can't sin knowingly, willfully, mm -hmm. you know, because can there be a second sacrifice? Christ was a sacrifice first time. So uh, very interesting passage here about the Old Testament and New Testament, how this is playing out. Mm -hmm. So they've done all this and they've set all this up. And like you said, Jesus didn't come for that, mm -hmm. you know, not... And it's, uh, remember how the chief priests and Pharisees went as far to say later with Pilate, we have no king but Caesar. Mm. It's very interesting. Because he's telling them, hey, you take him and you deal with it according to your own laws. Mm. They're like, no, we have no king but Caesar. Mm. And they're constantly setting this up. So the Jews wanted Pilate to kill him so they wouldn't get the blame for it. Right. And Pilate would uh, quelled unrest if he obeyed among the Jews. However, the Jews later stoned Stephen and Pilate lost his governorship soon after that. Historical events and so the documents write that out. So we all know that Stephen died in the Bible or mm. Stephen or however you want to say it. And what happened there? Because mm. they stoned him in the street. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Pilate was still governor. Yeah. But he lost his governorship because they, they had another revolt. And he was warned not to allow that to keep happening. So we see that happening. So why, why was it so important for Jesus to be slain by the Romans? So popularity. They mm -hmm. knew the people loved him. They knew all right. these things going on. They, went, they needed it done a certain way. And they needed it to look like they weren't involved because this wouldn't be a holy act. It's, it's falsehood all the way through and through. So they, they brought this woman up to Jesus and they were looking for a gotcha moment. You know, it's, it's like a p political thing that we see all the time. That, hey, I'm going to rush this court case. And, oh, no, he did this and he did that. And then you come find out and didn't do any of it. So that's what we're looking at here. And it's very interesting because they totally disobeyed the old law mm. and just bypassed so much of it just for to try and get a gotcha moment. But... The whole case of adultery, as far as we know, by the lack of procedure and evidence, could have been hearsay. Except when he asked her about her accusers. This is where we learn. If he, uh, if he condemned her, her response would have been... Uh, it, what I'm trying to say is she, she said... He said, where, have your, where are your accusers? Mm -hmm. are, are any of your accusers left? She said, no, Lord. Mm -hmm. She never said, no, I was, I was innocent to hold... Yeah. No. She just said two words, no, Lord. Right. And Jesus uh, says, neither do I condemn you. So he's not going to condemn her. And then he says, go and sin no more. Right. So we know she was guilty. Right. Mm -hmm. But they rushed it just, for, just to try and trip him up. That was mm -hmm. the goal of the whole thing. So, um, like I said, it sounds like politics today to me. <laughs> A lot of things that go over that way. Uh, it's important to go back and study what God says to do in these situations because it, it's very interesting that they totally disobeyed. 
and they, they didn't bring the, the, the man. Mm. The husband wasn't there either. All of these things weren't happening, and they were just going to stone her yeah. and just to get at Jesus. So yeah. they were willing to totally sin and stir up the crowd because they thought they could get away with it. So chapter 6 goes on with uh, Nazir and the Nazarite vow. Now, people have asked about Nazarite vow and things, mm-hmm. so we'll go into it a little bit. The Nazarite vow was taken by individuals or parents before the birth of a child. They abstained from wine, fermented drink, and anything from the grapevine. They did not cut their hair for 30 days. Mm. They show um, To show that they are holy and set apart unto God. That was the whole purpose of this. Could not go near a dead body, whether family or otherwise. It wasn't allowed, for the hair on their head is a symbol of their separation to God. If the hair was around a dead body, uh, it was considered uh, unclean. Mm. Uh, this requirement uh, w- applies as long as they are set apart to the Lord. Now, there were some that were Nazarites from birth. Mm-hmm. But, uh, we'll dive into that another time because there's a, we can go into Samson, we can go into Jesus and some of those things. So I'm going to continue on. Uh, rabbis, very interestingly, will grow their beard down. We always see them like that. And they grow their beard down to, the, to their heart level. And the reason that they do that, this is what they say, is so their mind is connected to their heart. Just something interesting I heard and uh, thought I'd point it out. Of course, it's closer to the mouth and out of the heart, uh, the mouth speaketh. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe it had a wrong connection there. <laughs> might as well, might have, might have been. Um, at the conclusion of the Nazarite vow, they uh, went to the temple and offered a lamb without defect for a burnt offering and a one-year-old female lamb uh, without defect for a sin offering, and a ram for a peace offering. And along with the bread with no yeast, so unleavened bread, and sprinkled an olive oil with grains and liquids. So they were to bring all this up to the priest. This was all done as a Nazarite vow that they made Mm -hmm. to be holy and set apart under God. After the priest presents these, the vow maker uh, uh, would cut their hair right there in the temple. Mm. Let's start cutting their hair. Um, the Nazarite uh, scriptures immediately uh, follow the scriptures on adultery. So I want to point that out. That it's they they point that out. Rabbis point this out. Mm-hmm. So you got this pure, dedicated, separation unto God lifestyle living, right after the adultery scriptures. This, it's like God saying, "This is how you should be living. This, be separated unto me. Be holy. You know, for I am holy." All of these scriptures and things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's God pointing out that Kadosh living, that holy living, separated life. Um, and not having these idols and things in your life. Uh, too many times we were faced with these things. And, you know, right at the end of the Nazarite section, where it's explaining all of these things and what they do, you have the uh, Aaronic blessing, which you went over in the earlier parsha. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Mm-hmm. Now, that's the New Living Translation. Right. Because, well, if, and, yeah. If you've, you've, you've heard it in the New King James, I've heard it all my life. Yeah. So I had to read over this before I came, and I was like, I, I got to make sure I say this right. Because mm. it, it almost tripped me up. But uh, verse 27 Whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, I myself will bless them. So, anytime the priest would bless someone, 
God was saying, I will bless them personally. Mm -hmm. Uh, So anytime a pastor, a preacher, or uh, an anointed man of God blesses you or does any of these things, God is saying, I will bless you personally. You know, he's doing that with them, through them. And it's it's a promise from God. And it is. And it's in uh, verse 27 in this chapter, uh, which I believe is chapter 7. When I'm, so in the Parsha Shemini, we left off uh, on the dedication of the temple, and we pick it up here again. So in closing, we're going to go over that section. Uh, uh, m- most of chapter 7 has to do with that. Hmm. So... Um, one year minus two weeks after the exodus. So after they got away from Pharaoh, one year minus two weeks. The Moses set up the tabernacle, anointed it, and set apart as holy. The furnishings included and the utensils. So he went over and anointed all of these pieces, every piece of the temple, the tabernacle, the furnishings, the ark, everything, even the forks and knives and things, whatever they used back in that time. He anointed each individual piece for its service. Um, the Nassim, the, prince, the princes of Israel, the leaders, the tribes, they, uh, they all brought forth gifts. Now, here it goes into more detail than it did earlier when we covered it. Hmm. Um, they first uh, gave gifts on behalf of the entire community. So we see them bring a, a oxen and carts and things of that nature. And God tells Moses... Hey, use these to carry the ark and some of the utensils or some of the things. Mm-hmm. They, they got them for that. Uh, but they, these leaders just brought this naturally. So it's uh, the Spirit of God, you know, moving on them. And they, they got these gifts. They brought them. And each of them gave to take care of the entire community. So that's very interesting. Then they gave as uh, individuals. Mm. It was only after they've given to take care of the needs of the, the temple and everything else that they gave individually and brought their own gifts. So speaking of taking care of one another before giving your gifts to God, fulfilling, uh, loving one another. That's one of the things that rabbis uh, point out about that. Hmm. It's uh, that taking care of one another. Whenever Moses went into the tabernacle to speak to the Lord, he heard the the voice speaking to him from between the cherubim, the two cherubim, Mm -hmm. above the ark's cover, the place of atonement that rest on the ark of the covenant. The Lord spoke to him from there. That's the final verse in that chapter. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in closing, what are your thoughts on... uh, Separated living and just dealing with all these idols and things. And what are your thoughts? Well, I, you know, I mentioned idols a few moments ago. Anything that replaces the worship of God. Um, people, uh, they, they see no wrong in certain things. And, uh, and I'm not saying, you know, joining the outdoors is wrong at all. I'm not saying activities, uh, you know, hunting, fishing, golfing, anything like that. Uh, I'm not saying, you know, because a lot of times people say, well, I'm I'm spending family time, quality time. And those are important things. But when they replace the 
the place of worship in the house of God, then we've made an idol out of those things. Um, and truly the blessings of the Lord, the true blessings of the Lord fall on those that honor God, worship God, uh, attend church is what we, way we call it today, uh, a house of worship that we come and worship God. You know, to think about that term, a house of worship. Uh, a lot of people, you'll never hear them say going to church. You'll never refer to it. They refer to it as a house of worship. And some are, are using that term like, well, it's a, a, a term of respect, and, and it is. But that's truly what this is. And what we are to have is worship for the Lord. And so, um, you know, we need to strive to worship God in uh, our everything we do. And, and truly, that you know, may the Lord bless you and protect you. Wow. You know, I want the Lord's blessing on my life, and I want the Lord's protection on my life. Uh, and so it's a promise that we get. It's a priestly blessing prayed upon you. It's a promise from the Lord. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. Uh, I, I tell you, you know, people don't understand when the Lord smile upon you. And then the next verse, uh, uh, may the Lord show you his favor. I don't know if you've ever walked in the favor of the Lord, but there's times that you know that it seems like everything is going your way, mm -hmm. but that's the favor of the Lord. And that's what the Lord wants to do. And those that learn to worship him. And as John eight says, worship him in, in, in truth, uh, with uh, a pureness and a holiness, then God's favor is going to be on you and he'll give you his peace. Amen. Not the peace of man, not the peace or comfort of something, but God's peace itself be rest upon you. And to receive this blessing, I believe then we have to honor him with everything. Amen. I believe that it's a, it's a very interesting, you know, the diving into these things and the, each one of those, and you mentioning this again, the Aaronic blessing, the, the rabbis go into details with each individual mm. scripture like you just did. It's, yeah. it's, uh, he, what he done, they, they, they go through those and explain it like he just did, and it's, uh, it's very interesting. And uh, Well, this is a whole sermon in itself. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that uh, we can talk about the blessing, we can talk about the protection, and we can talk about the smile of the Lord upon you. Uh, so... Uh, but uh, this is it's powerful. Mm -hmm. It's powerful. And uh, j just remembering that uh, not everything is always what it seems. Right. And uh, getting that closeness to God is sometimes believing in His goodness for mm -hmm. us. Because we're always under that assumption, well, why didn't you do this? If you would have done this, mm -hmm. then I would be able to believe. Mm -hmm. Oh, come on. Yeah. You know, that's all I got to say about that is... We all have those trials, sometimes horrible things that hang over our head from the past mm -hmm. that uh, I did what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Let's just say for argument, you'd say you did, yeah. and you still had terrible things happen. Uh, why blame God for that? Yeah. You know, Pastor Jeremy has a quote, uh, your future's in front of you. Your future's ahead of you. Mm -hmm. And uh, no one ever finds their future living in their past. Absolutely. And uh, so... You know, it doesn't matter to us 
what your past has been up until today. What we're interested in is where does your future go from today. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we hope that our teachings uh, bring you to a place of decision, a place to honor God. Uh, there's so many things out there and so many uh, false teachers that can tell you that's bull, that's, don't, that's not for today. But we're bringing you, you the Old Testament into today's reality in, along with the New Testament. Uh, for it is for today. There are reasonings and purpose for these things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but when you come to a place of decision that you realize, uh, you know, there's a song that I, I'm getting to detest. And uh, that's a song that it says, I did it my way. And it's became a popular song at, at funerals. Yeah. And, uh, it really disturbs me that someone can think they did it their way. I want it to be said, I did it God's way. Amen. And uh, God's way is that he sent Jesus to uh, take your place on, uh, of sin, to die on the cross for your sins. That when you confess <clears throat> him as Lord of your life, ask him forgiveness of your sin, you're washed clean. You're made new. Second uh, Corinthians 5, 17, uh, anyone in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we're a new creation in him. And that's what you can become today by receiving him, asking him to forgive you of your sins, and moving forward uh, and not living in the past. Uh, not living on those mistakes uh, because if we all have enough mistakes that we could really hang our heads in shame, but you know, they don't bother me because I'm a new creation in Christ. Uh, one of the, the toughest things, Sean, uh, starting a church uh, 29 years ago, uh, right here in your hometown, uh, Jesus says no prophet is, uh, uh, is honored in his own hometown. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I wasn't uh, an angel by any means. Uh, I wasn't terribly wicked by any means. But, you know, when people, when you start to do something from the Lord, the exaggeration, we can exaggerate on ourselves of good things, but people can exaggerate on you of your past being a lot darker than it was. Yeah. So I, I found out that uh, I did a lot of bad stuff that I never did. <laughs> and uh, so uh, we want to forget the past. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, if God can say you're a new creation, how can we not look at you today when you confess your sins? receive Christ as a new creation and a new beginning. And so if you're making that decision uh, to follow Christ, let us know. Yeah. Uh, reach out to us. Uh, uh, maybe we can uh, contact and uh, help you. Uh, you don't even have to live in this region or area. I don't know where you're uh, watching from, what country uh, that you're watching from today. I know we have some from several different nations around the world watching this program. Uh we can help, and maybe we can find someone in that uh, area that uh, a good church, a good place, uh, or like I said a while ago, a house of worship, uh, a place to worship God. And uh, because our goal and purpose to bring people closer to the Lord and to understand the things of the Lord. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. You know, he just mentioned so much there. And uh, so if you are someone and you say, hey, I prayed that, and i I've drawn closer to God to contact us. Let us know. And if you're saying, hey, I'm rededicating officially today, 
I'm tired of the things I've dealt with in the past, or even just put it in the comments, like you said, mm. leaving the past behind. I'm leaving the past behind. Amen. Declare it, put it on there, let us know. And uh, we love you, and we hope you had a great time watching us today. And so we say shalom, and be at peace, and we'll see you next week. And God bless you. God bless.